The um, song we just sang, The Reckless Love of God, it's a song that uh, the kids sing at, at Green Lake, and it's a popular song, but there is a line from the song that just is really moving to me, and I don't know how other folks respond to it, but the line, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And that, of course, is in reference to the shepherd who will leave 99 sheep to go look for the one wayward one. I just, I just think it's a beautiful line. All right, here we go. Uh, how many of you grew up in church? And if you're still growing up, yeah, it would be you. Okay, raise your, raise your hand again. How many of you grew up in church? Okay, next question. How many of you learned something there as you were growing up? Okay, not quite as many hands, but most hands are up. Of course you did. When you were gathering together, either in a Sunday school class or in a worship service and listening to a preacher, or when your parents drug you to one thing or another and you listened to people speak and to conversations that took place, you were learning about faith and what faith means. In those early days, you didn't know you were learning it, but you were learning some theology. And you were learning some doctrine and you were even learning some denominational distinctives, even if you went to a church that didn't have a denominational name. It had distinctives, and you were learning them, even if you didn't know it. While you were young and in those um, stages of development of your faith, you also learned a hermeneutical approach, a way to interpret the Bible, a way to understand what the Bible says. And all of that is good. Yay for you. All of it helped create the foundation of your faith that is with you to this day. Now I have this question for you. Was there ever, in your earlier experience in church life, was there ever any teacher or preacher or pastor who let you know, they may not have said it directly, but who let you know that what you were learning was the only right way and that everybody else is wrong. Hands? Yeah. Yeah, it's out there, isn't it? It's kind of a reality. We are taught that what we are learning is it and everybody else is wrong. Now, you can't just blame the church you grew up in or your pastor or teacher for that because this is a common trait throughout church history. The councils began in the 300s. 300 years after the church is founded, councils started being held where people were voting on what was, what was doctrinally pure and what was not. And if you happened to be on the side that was not doctrinally pure, you were branded a heretic. Now, as time went along, sometimes these heretics would end up being burnt alive or hung or crucified, at the very least excommunicated and no longer welcome as a part of the church. Why? Because they believe something different than the popular vote. Truth is that while many denominations started 
as national churches in Europe during and after the Reformation and then came to America. The reality is that most of the, and I'm sure this number cannot be right, that most of the 33,000 denominations in the United States, does that sound like a right number to you? 33,000. Think about that. But that's according to the World Christian Encyclopedia. It can't be true. Can it? 33,000 different church groups in the United States started because of fights over doctrine and the way to interpret scripture and over the practices of faith. Even today, 2019, church groups hold trials to prove whether people are heretics or not. Most of you know the name Tony Campolo. We, we love Tony. He's, he's one of ours. Well, in the 1980s, he wrote a book called A Reasonable Faith. And in that book, he was so bold as to declare that you could see Jesus in other people, even people who weren't believers. Well, the, I can't think of the name of the group, the Christian Legal Council called a meeting together and brought in all, it was led by J.I. Packer, some of you might know who that is, and they all sat down and grilled Tony Campolo to decide whether his writings were heretical or not. This is in the 1980s. Many of you may know the name Dale Moody, an incredible uh, scholar, professor at Southern Baptist um, Theological Seminary, um, at one point questioned the reality of the doctrine, the perseverance of the faith of the saints. And so he was called to trial to defend his statements. He was going to be branded a heretic or not. Most of you know Molly Marshall Green, who is president of Central Baptist Seminary, an American Baptist Seminary. But when I started seminary at Southern, she was at Southern Baptist Seminary where she was called in and put on trial for teaching against the abstract of principles. That's the guiding document of, of the Southern Baptist uh, Seminary. Not long ago, most of you would have read in the paper about the church trial in the Methodist Church about the concerning the minister who helped officiate his son, a gay son's wedding. And he went on trial in the church for that. 2019. I am right, and everybody who shares a different opinion is wrong. In some church settings, that's what we are taught. In some church groups, in some organizations, that's what we learn. That what we're being taught is the absolute truth and that everybody else who thinks differently, even if it's in minute things, is wrong. Churches fight and split over what happens to Jesus and the bread during communion. It's the way it is and always has been. The problem, as I see it, is this. When I believe that what I believe is correct and only what I believe is correct, and anything else is incorrect, and you are wrong if you think differently, 
It doesn't take long for me to become arrogant in that. It can lead to me being pretty hateful towards people who disagree with me. It gives me reason. It gives me an an okay to reject others just because they think differently than I do. It even allows me to discriminate against people who don't live up to what I think is correct. Now, faith. Faith is confidence. Faith is assurance. Faith is conviction. And faith begins with a sense of humility that recognizes there is a limitation to our understanding. Paul writes this section in 1 Corinthians 13. We all know 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, but we always pay attention to the love part. The very end of the chapter is so fascinating, and here's what Paul writes. We know only a portion of the truth. Hear that again. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when completeness arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those, th- those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Now, I happen to believe in absolute truth. I believe in it. I just know that... (laughs) I am not enough to know it myself. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not discerning enough to understand it completely. And so if I claim to have absolute truth, I'm kidding myself. And I think the Apostle Paul kind of is saying the same thing there. We understand in part. So if we understand in part, if our understanding of the truth is not complete, then doesn't it make sense that we would be accepting and open to other people who might think differently than us? Because they may have a section of the truth we haven't figured out yet. So here's what we do. We believe what we believe, and we are aware that God might want to introduce to us a new idea from time to time. Having open eyes, open hearts, open minds doesn't mean rejecting what we believe. It means embracing the reality that there is always something new to learn, something new to experience, something new to understand. I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. And I can tell you that at 61, my faith is very different now than it was then. Because I've had experiences along the way 
that have changed the way I think and the way I encounter the world because I have had doubts that have led to new discoveries of faith along the way. I have come to recognize that past teachers and influencers are flawed, just as I am flawed. I think that my faith is very different now than it was when I was 15 because I have come to new understandings of how to interpret and understand Scripture. I grew out of that proud evangelical tradition where you took a proof text here and a proof text there and you jammed them together and you formed your argument. But I've learned over time that backing up and looking at whole pictures makes so much more sense and leads to so much, so many better conclusions. My faith is very different now than it used to be because I have challenged the rote beliefs that I once accepted without any challenge. I understand more. Not completely, but I understand more of the reality of God's love and the fact that it is the guiding principle. It's not one of the guiding principles. It is the guiding principle of faith. So, rather than a biblical mindset that leads to rejection and intolerance and hate and discrimination and bigotry, faith leads us to an assurance in our lives that enables us to have confidence and enables us to question and to challenge and not be afraid to question and challenge. And not to challenge others, but to challenge ourselves. To have faith means to respect others even if they think differently than me. To have faith means to accept other people because God has accepted them as God's children. To have faith means to listen carefully because you never know when God is speaking. To have faith means to engage with different perspectives because there is truth everywhere. To engage or to have faith means to enjoy others as part of the beloved community, as we work together and strive together and serve together to make the world a better and different place. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Amen.